You are listening to the weekly podcast of Fellowship Bible Church of Paragool. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.fellowshipparagool.com. We want to honor mothers today, and not just today, but we want to honor you every day at Fellowship Bible Church because we know that every single day you are selflessly uh, committing your life to your children. Uh, you serve them, uh, you wrap them in unconditional love, and we really are so thankful for all of our mothers. I'm going to put my phone right here because if I get a call in the middle, I'm going to be distracted. Um, we're thankful for all of you. And my mom's here. Is she still here? Yeah, she's still here. Awesome. I didn't know if you'd left before I preached or not. So I'm glad, <laughs> glad you are here. I uh, had a chance to take her out last night and, and grab some food. And so I'm very thankful for my own mother, uh, how much she has poured into me. Um, she has so often uh, put herself last uh, for the sake of me and my brother uh, to be able to have. She's done without. And um, Man, we have always had full bellies, uh, many home-cooked meals. Our house has been clean and open to our friends growing up. And more importantly, um, I've always known in my mom's life that Jesus was first, my father was second, and then we were, were third behind them. And I think that's the greatest gift a mom can give to her kids is to show you know, the right order of God is first in my life, my husband second. And so we had that modeled for us. I'm incredibly thankful for everything you've done uh, for me. And again, we're thankful to all the mothers. And, and for those of you that are in here this morning and maybe you're hurting, um, maybe you have children that are wayward, maybe you've lost a child. We know we have several ladies that, that you've lost children. Uh, maybe you've not been able to have children. Um, let me just encourage you today by reminding you that, that God is for you. He loves you. Um, he is not against you at all. Um, you not having children or maybe having wayward children is not a sign that, that God does not favor you. Um, And women that have children are not a sign anymore that God favors them more than you. And so I want you to be reminded that that God is crazy about you. He loves you, and we love you here, and we honor you as well today. And just a prayer that I've been praying over you this week, whether you've known it or not, is in 1 Peter 5, verse 10. Peter says, After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's a promise from God's Word today. If you've experienced some suffering of any kind, it says that God, whenever you look to Him, will perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And that's our prayer for you, is that God will do those things. Um, After the service, I'm going to be available. Usually I'm out greeting at the front, but I'm going to be kind of over here, I believe, um, standing. And, And if you are here today and you're a hurting a woman, especially on Mother's Day, and you want prayer, I would love to pray over you um, after the service. And so um, we just know that's available for you. We love you all. Super glad that you're here. Um, Today, I am not necessarily preaching a Mother's Day passage. I'm not preaching Proverbs 31. Uh, We are going to continue in the Real Jesus series. So if you have a Bible, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, We're going to be in verses 38 through verses 48. Uh, 38 through 48, for those of you that have been with us in the Real Jesus series, um, you might look at this and say, wait a minute, Jared, you're skipping a text. And that is true. I am skipping a text, but because it's Mother's Day, though I'm not preaching on Proverbs 31, I have decided that I am not going to preach on divorce today. And so, um, you're welcome. So, 
which we'll preach on it next week. We're not skipping it all together. And I really think it's going to be an encouraging text to ladies in here. I really do. If you've even been through a divorce, I think it'll be an encouraging passage for you, more so than what you might expect. And so, um, but this week, um, we're going to skip it. We'll come back and we'll teach it next week. And then we're going to take a break from the Real Jesus series through May and the rest of the summer. Um, and we're going to actually preach a vision series and what it means to be a part of Fellowship Bible Church, what a missional community is, what it isn't, things like that. And so you'll want to be here for that series. But for today, we'll be in Matthew chapter 5. And we'll be in verses 38 through 48, verse by verse. We're going through Jesus' sermon, and we're trying to drive a nail into the coffin of the fake religious Jesus of the South that we've created in our heads, and we're wanting to expose the real Jesus of the Bible because he's worth it. Amen? And he's life-transforming. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, you can look with me. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes a sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain to the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Seems to be harsh words, but it's words from the real Jesus. Will you pray for me as I pray for you? Father, we come to you this morning and we recognize these words are powerful, they're active, and they're living. We need you to do during this time what only you can do, Father. We come here tired, we come here often distracted, we come here often, Father, um, thinking about all the things we have to do outside of this gathering. But while we're here, would you be gracious enough to work through your spirit to drive this text into our hearts and change us for our good and your glory. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you a series of questions before we get into the text this morning. How do you handle it whenever someone cuts you off in traffic? Uh, What happens inside of you whenever you have someone that stood at an altar at one time and committed their lives to you and then turned their back on you? Uh, what goes on in your heart whenever you find out someone has been gossiping about you or tearing you down? Um, mamas, to get a little more personal, uh, what goes on inside of you when you find out your little boy or little girl has been picked on or has been wronged in some way at school or, or somewhere else? I think if you're like me, the natural temptation is for us to seek justice every time. We want grace when it's for us, but justice when it has to do with others wronging us, right? We want justice. I I know that when someone pulls out in front of me, uh, truth be told, and I know I'm a pastor, but this is a safe place and I can confess my sins, right? When someone pulls out in front of me, my natural temptation is, it is to want to swing around them as quick as I can, right? And, and to get in front of them and begin to ride the brakes like obviously they were doing for me. 
You know, I, I want to get around them and I want them to know what it feels like to stop me when I'm on a mission trying to get somewhere quickly. And not only do I want to get in front of them and ride the brakes, I want to look at them when I'm driving by. Because I want to know what kind of person does that, right? I want to know what you look like. Um, that's my natural temptation. And I think some of you, maybe you're laughing because you know, like, yep, I've been there. Um, we're born this way. Uh, my mom can vouch for this. My brother who is, is here, I remember being four years old and playing RBI baseball for regular Nintendo. Anybody? RBI baseball? All right, John. RBI baseball for regular Nintendo, and I got beat, and I decided to go jack the ripper on my brother. I went and grabbed a butter knife and threw it at him as hard as I could. Four years old. I've never seen my mom or dad do that to each other. I don't know where I learned that from. I just picked up on it, right? It, it came natural to me. And what seemed so natural early on as a child, unfortunately, continues to seem natural for us as adults, doesn't it? If we feel like we've been wronged, we want to make things right. And that seems like it's perfectly normal. But Jesus says, though it may be normal in the world, that is not the mark of a true Christian. That is not the mark of my kingdom people. If you look in verse 38, Jesus says, You've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In other words, you have, those of you that he was talking to here, says you've grown up in churches, you've heard pastors say, hey, if somebody wrongs you, you should wrong them back. If somebody takes something from you, you should take it back. It's kind of the Hatfield and McCoys, you know, kind of idea, right? There should be blood feuds. If someone kills your cow, you should kill their cow, kind of thing. And this seems pretty logical. And the people that were standing there were saying, yeah, Jesus, that's what we've heard. But look what Jesus goes on to say. He says, though you've heard that, and some of you probably even have taught that to your own kids and your own friends. Look what he says in verse 39. I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anybody slaps you on the right cheek, you turn to him the other also. Now, let me be clear here. Jesus is not condemning self-defense. He's not saying if somebody tries to physically attack you, you just roll over and take it. It's not what he is condemning here, but rather what he is speaking against is the desire that many of us often have for personal revenge. What Jesus wants to be clear of early on is my kingdom people, they don't seek retaliation, but rather they seek reconciliation. This is what Jesus is all about. And he goes on and he says, right, he's talking about a slap here. A slap in this culture definitely was not symbolic for somebody wanting to beat you up. And we know that today, right? If I'm mad at somebody, I'm not going to be like, I'm going to ruin you. You know, like, you don't do that. I mean, a slap, you want to take somebody down, you're going to punch them. Okay, in this culture, a slap was not meant to be a physical abuse, but rather it was meant to be an insult. It was meant to be a degrading thing. And so what Jesus is saying is this, is whenever somebody insults you, when somebody seeks to cut you down, you don't lower yourself to their level and insult them back and seek to cut them down. That's what he says, you just turn the other cheek. You turn the other cheek. He goes on and he gets even harder. He says in verse 40, hey, if someone asks for your shirt, don't just give them your shirt, he says, give them your coat too. In verse 41, he says, if someone forces you to go a mile, go ahead and go two miles with them. In this culture, it was a law that a Roman soldier could force you to carry their backpack for a mile. Doesn't matter what kind of day you're having. Doesn't matter where you have to be. Doesn't matter what's on your agenda. Doesn't matter if you're sick. If a Roman soldier comes up to you and says, here, I want you to carry this a mile, you had to carry it a mile by law. 
And what Jesus says is don't grumble and complain about this. If they ask you to go a mile, go two miles. And then he goes on to verse 42 and he says, Also, I want you to give to those who beg. And I don't want you to refuse when people want to borrow from you. If someone wants to take your truck, let them borrow your truck, let them borrow your truck. If someone wants to borrow your mower, let them borrow your mower. If someone wants to borrow a cup of sugar, you let them borrow a cup of sugar. This is crazy to think about, isn't it? I mean, this is one of those passages where, honestly, I'm looking at the original language and saying, surely Jesus didn't mean this. Surely I'm going to find something in here that I can parse and realize that he means something different. But I'll be honest, after pulling out ten commentaries and looking and reading and listening to other guys preach on this text, it is very clear that Jesus wants to make this simple point this morning. If you want to follow after me, you have to be willing to give up your rights. If you want to live the life that I've called you to live, you have to let go of your personal preferences. You have to die to any sense of self-entitlement. What Jesus is saying to all of you this morning is this. Do you want to experience life? Do you want to experience the true life that I've created you to experience? Well, then you have to lose your life. You have to give it up. And that's whenever you will experience the life that I've called you to. Now, let's be honest this morning. And many of you are already looking at me this way. You feel like, don't you, that Jesus just threw a grenade right in the middle of your world and blew up any preconceived ideas of how you think life works best. Because how do we all think life works best? When everybody's treating us the way we deserve to be treated. How does life work best whenever, of course, we get whatever we want, right? That's when we're going to be happy. But what does Jesus say here? As he's done so many times before, here he is again, turning our world upside down. He's saying, actually, no, that's the way the world thinks. You want to be happy? You want to be blessed? He says, you don't walk around saying, hey, what can I get from these people? But rather you walk around saying, what can I give to these people? You don't walk around saying, hey, how can you all serve me? But you walk around saying, how can I serve you? You don't walk around saying, hey, 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 how can, how can you bless me? But rather, how can I bless you? It's not about how can y'all all love me, but how can I love you? Jesus gets right in the middle of our world right here. And he says, newsflash, life is all, not all about you and your individual happiness. It's not. Jesus says life is bigger than just you and what your own personal desires are. In fact, he says, if you want to be my kingdom people, you have to be willing to give up your rights for the benefit of others. And this is one of the reasons we celebrate Mother's Day, I believe, because isn't that a perfect picture of, of, a, of a godly mother who loves her kids? Does she not give up her rights for the benefit of her children? Gladly, doesn't she? Any mother who loves her kids does this. I think about my own wife who has a degree, can teach in high school English or, or junior high, and she does a great job at it, but she selflessly stays home with our children, and she cleans up their messes every single day. She wipes their bottoms. She gives them medicine. She runs them to the doctor. She gets up with them whenever they're sick. She plays games with them that are silly little games that they love to play. I mean, she gives her whole life to our children every single day. And I'll be honest, like, it's just an amazing picture of love. I, I, this past Friday, I gave her kind of one of her Mother's Day gifts. I said, I want to give you all day to just go be pampered and do whatever you want. I'm going to watch the kids. Like, I believe now that she has the hardest job on the planet. Never say, uh, my wife doesn't work. She's a stay-at-home mom. Wrong answer. Like, yes, she works. She just might not get paid in doing so. 
So many mothers show this picture of what it means to set aside your right for the benefit of another. But listen to what Jesus says in here, guys. When you think about that picture, Jesus says, not only are you to do that with your children, you're to do that with everyone. And then he makes it even harder by saying, not only with everyone as in like those you like, but you even need to love your enemies this way. He goes on and he says, what? In verse 43, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Love your neighbor is in the Bible. And they were teaching this. Hate your enemy is not in the Bible. But isn't this the way even religious people work? Aren't we so quick to take the Bible and make it mean whatever we want it to mean? And that's what these religious people had done. But Jesus says, no, you don't just love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He says in verse 44, I tell you, love your enemies. Love them. This is not natural. It's easy to love those who love us, right? But it's much more difficult to love those who hate us. It is easy in our hearts to say, oh, you hate me? Well, I hate you too. It's easy in our hearts to celebrate the failures of those we don't like. I saw this this past week with Johnny Manziel. People love to hate Johnny Manziel. If you're a sports fan, you know what I'm, I'm talking about. And as he was falling further and further in the draft, Twitter and Facebook were blowing up. where They were like, yeah, you suck, Manziel. You know, you're getting what's coming to you. Like People were just blowing him up because they don't like the guy. That, that's so incredibly natural of us, isn't it? To look down on those who oppose us. But Jesus says, he goes on in verse 46, he says, what reward is there in doing that? What reward is there in just loving people who already love you? Of course you love them because they love you. That's easy. Jesus says it's easy. He says even the Pharisees do this. Right? The hypocrites love those who love them. He says even the Gentiles do this. In other words, even lost people act this way. But he says if you want to be a picture of my kingdom people, you don't just love those who love you. You love the unlovable and you forgive those who in no way deserve forgiveness in the eyes of the world. And he says, when you begin to do that, that's when you'll receive the reward. Now, what reward is Jesus talking about here? He's not talking about earning heaven. I mean, we clearly have seen that that heaven is a gift. It's grace. So when he says receive the reward, what is he talking about here? I think this is what he's saying. This is awesome. I think what Jesus is saying is whenever you love the unlovable and you forgive those that don't deserve forgiveness, here's what happens. You actually begin to show them a picture of the saving grace you've already received. And they begin to see a love that's foreign to them. And what happens? Some will actually taste this love for the first time and they will turn from being enemies of God to being his beloved children. They'll actually be reconciled back to the Father. And he says the reward is, I believe, you will be a part of this. And guys, I mean, Fellowship Bible Church, those of you that are part, is this not why we exist? We are here, and even if you're not a part of fellowship, if you are a Christian, you are left on this earth so people can taste the forgiveness of God. So people can wake up and experience the life they were created to experience. So they can go from being God's enemies to being His children. That is why we are here, to see people far from God brought near to Him. And Jesus says, if you are going to commit to this life... You must be someone who loves your enemies. We must be people that love our enemies. And, and how does he say we can love them? Well, 
He says in verse 44, one way is this. You can pray for them. Some of you say, no problem. I pray for my, my enemies all the time when I pray that God will destroy them. Right? Not a problem. But notice Jesus does not say you pray against your enemies. He says you pray for your enemies. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? To begin to pray for those you don't like, that God will actually begin to bless them. And not only do we pray for God to bless them, but verse 45, he goes a step further. I think he would say that if we want to love our enemies, listen to this, we must be a people that seek to bless them ourselves. In verse 45, what does it say about God? This is such a beautiful passage. I was talking to my wife about this last night. I love it. What does it say about God's character? It says that he, verse 45, makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. What this passage has just told us is this. Though God, listen to this, it's beautiful. Though God has many enemies that continue to sin against him every single day, how does God respond to his enemies? By continuing to provide for them and bless them. It says that he makes the sun rise on even those who are evil. He, he makes the rain to fall even on those who are unjust. What that means is, listen to this, every time the sun rises over the home of an abortionist, it's God's way of saying, I want to brighten your life. Every time the rain falls on a prostitute, it's God's way of saying, I want to pour my blessings out on you. Despite the fact that all you've ever done is sin against me. Is that not a scandalous but amazing thought? Is that not incredible to know that this is God's love for his people? I don't know about some of you, but, but I have believed for much of my life that God was this God sitting in the corner of the universe waiting for me to mess up so he can stomp me out. It's like God just waiting for Jared Pitney to mess up so he can stomp on me. Like, that's been my view of God. And maybe that's some of your view of God today. Maybe some of you that can't have children, you think the reason why I've not been able to have children is because God's mad at me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't want to bless me. Or maybe some of you are here and you're going through a physical illness or a financial crisis, and you think that God is some sort of sadistic tyrant who gets pleasure from your pain. Guys, that is not the God of the Bible. Some of you have heard that, and it's not in here. God is not a God who wants to bash his enemies, but he wants to bless them. Look at the cross. Look at it. God coming into our life to bless us. He, he comes right into our life and he says that I want to make my enemies my children. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10 and 11, maybe some of you are here and you're like, no, I've never been an enemy of God. I grew up in church. I was in VBS my entire life. Like, my parents are Christians. I've never been an enemy. There's no way. Well, you need to read the Bible. Because God says something different. Romans chapter 5, verse 10, this is not my words, it's God's words. You can take it up with Him. For if while we were enemies, Paul says, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled, Shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. If you're looking for an ego booster, you're not going to find it in the Bible. If you're looking for your self-esteem to be boosted, you're not going to find it in Scripture. 
You're not. The Bible is clear, guys, that all of us, because of our sin nature, were born enemies of a holy God. You better realize today, all of us, all of us, have mocked God before. In our hearts, we've sinned against Him. We have belittled Him. And yet, if you are in Christ, how did God respond to you? Did He try to hurt you? No, He tried to help you. And He helped you by reaching out to you, by pursuing you in the person of Jesus Christ, who came and lived a perfect life we could never live, and dying a death that we deserve to die for our sins, paying the penalty for our sins. He took on the wrath of God for us and then went to the grave. He died, but he rose again three days later, conquering sin and death and hell so that we can be reconciled back to the Father. Don't you see what's beautiful about the gospel is this? Is that though God could have poured out his fury on us, instead he chose to pour out his forgiveness on us. It's phenomenal. It's amazing. God could have sent us all to hell and been right and just, and he could have been good for it, but instead, he says, I want to give you eternal life. And I'll just be clear this morning. You want to know how you know if you've tasted the forgiveness of God? Do you want to know how you know that, you, that you've gone from being God's enemy to being his child? You know you've tasted God's forgiveness when you're able to extend forgiveness to others. The truth in Scripture is this. Forgiven people, forgive people. And when we refuse to forgive, what's happening is we're refusing to live in the reality of our own forgiveness. When we refuse to love our enemies, we're refusing to believe the reality that while we were God's enemies, He loved us. Jesus says a true Christian is one who's going to seek to love their enemies. Now, who of us in here would raise our hand this morning and say, I've done this perfectly. Who of us in here would say, I have perfectly laid down my rights for the benefit of everybody, including those that don't like me? I think it's safe to say that none of us would be that arrogant. None of us have done this perfectly. And that is why Jesus says what he says in verse 48. If we look again in closing, here's what he says in Matthew 5, 48. He says, oh yeah, in light of everything that I just told you about loving your enemy, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. What is Jesus trying to do here? Is he trying to crush any glimmer of hope that we can live this Christian life? Yes. Yes. I've heard the Sermon on the Mount preached many times about a to-do list. Many times. And people will look at like this passage in Matthew 5, 48, and they said, it, Jesus says you need to be perfect just as the, as the Father's perfect. So see, what that means is Jesus actually requires more from you than the law. So you better get with it, church. You better do more. You better be better or you're going to hell, everybody. Good news. Have a good week. Is that what Jesus is saying here? Let's not take things out of context. Unless we become like the Pharisees. Jesus is preaching a sermon. 
And how does he open his sermon? What is the opening line of this sermon that he uses to get our attention? Blessed are the what? Not the perfect in spirit, but the poor in spirit. In other words, you want to be blessed? You want to live the good life? You want me to pour my blessings out on you? Here's the only way it's going to happen is when you realize I'm spiritually bankrupt before God. I have nothing. I am a wretch. I cannot impress you. I cannot work my way to you. You are holy. I am far from holy. I have nothing. Here's what Jesus is doing in Matthew 5, 48 and the entire Sermon on the Mount. You ready? Here it is. Jesus is not giving you a goal to shoot for. He's giving you a wall to crash into. And in the crash, he wants it to be so awful that he wants you to realize you are a wretch. You cannot earn your way to God. You cannot impress God. He wants you to become so desperate. And look, here's the good news. In your desperation, he wants you to run to Jesus. The only one who has been perfect on your behalf and my behalf. The only one who, whenever his enemies struck him, and they threw thorns on his head, and they nailed his hands and feet to a cross. The only one who, rather than responding with fury, responded with what? Forgiveness. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When you see yourself as a sinner, as an enemy of God, what you understand is this. Jesus went to the cross because of your sin and my sin. What that means is every single one of us in here carried the nails in our pocket that hung Christ on a cross. And today, what I want you to hear from the Father is this. He does not want to bash you. He wants to bless you. He wants to say to you, I am here to forgive you of all of your sins. Is Jesus too beneath you this morning? Will you admit, I am broken and I am in need of one who has first loved me while I was still his enemy? If you have done that today, even if you're not a part of this church, one of the ways that we remember what Christ has done for us is through communion. In just a moment, we'll take of communion. And if you are a Christian, we invite you to the table. I know we have several visitors here today. But if you're a Christian, we're family. We are family. And so we want to invite you to our table with us to eat, to be reminded of what Christ has done for us, that rather than pouring out his fury for us, he poured out his forgiveness. Be reminded of that today as you tear off the bread and you're reminded of the perfect life of Christ and you dip it in the juice and you're reminded that he shed his blood for you. Would you come and would you just thank him today? Would you worship him through communion and say, man, I was once your enemy, but now I'm seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. Worship him in that way. If you're here, though, this morning and you are not a Christian, man, I'm so glad you are here. My prayer is that you will not leave here today an enemy of God. Please don't leave here an enemy of God today. Too cool for Jesus. Too religious for Jesus. Too good for Jesus. Too smart for Jesus. I pray that today, rather than receiving communion, that is just bread and juice to you. There is nothing spectacular in those elements for you. For us, it's just a symbol of what Christ has done. And so rather than partaking of communion, what we encourage you to do is partake of Christ. Receive him. The real Jesus, not the religious Jesus. The religious Jesus is dead. He's weak and he's not able to help you. But the real Jesus is calling for you today and he wants you to taste the life he's created you to experience. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. And we are going to sing another song in worship.
and then we're going to partake of communion. If you're helping with communion today, you can go ahead and come down to the band as you come down and get ready. Uh, those that are helping with communion, you can go and, and, and help us prepare those elements. And for the rest of us that are here, let's just take a moment. Let's not let this moment escape us. We do not want to be hearers of the word, Father, but we want to be doers of the word. Oh, Father, please help us to never be people that think that we're awesome because we came and sung a few songs and listened to a sermon and that you're impressed with that. You do not care about outward obedience. You care about what's going on in our hearts. Would you, through the power of your spirit, reveal the heart of man? Would you reveal... the hearts of those who maybe hold a grudge and those that only love those who love them that maybe believe that life is all about them getting rather than than giving father we cannot be perfect the more we try the more we mess up and so jesus we do thank you so much for everything that you've accomplished on our behalf you are perfect you are beautiful Father, would you, through the power of your spirit, would you make Jesus alive in the hearts of people in here who are dead? I want people this morning to experience true life and true joy and true peace that is only found in the perfect life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Father, help those of us that are here that have had grudges, that have been sinned against, that have been hurt. Help us, the power of your spirit, to walk in faith and to love others not because we're trying to earn your love, but because we realize we've already been recipients of your love while we were still your enemies. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.